0: good morning everyone i think i really did lose my voice cheering for all of those salvations that is so awesome and as amanda was talking about that uh, there was this verse that was coming to my mind and i don't remember it exactly but paul said something to the effect that some people they plant they plant a seed that's their ministry other people water the seed that's their ministry and god provides the increase god is the one who changes lives And as we talked about, all of those people giving their life over to God, um, that's not just one person who invested in their life and they became a follower of Jesus. That was through the ministry of so many people and God working in their hearts. And so many of you are a part of that. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful to the good work that God has set before us to see more people come to faith in Him. I am super excited to be here this morning, I love that we can worship God together and be challenged from his word. And I'll, I just wish that everybody could be a part of a church to experience what we experienced on Sunday morning and throughout the week and to have a community of people to be there to encourage them and support them in the good times in life and even the hard times. And speaking of the hard times in life, how many of you would say that the way the economy is in America right now the way it's been for the last couple of years, have posed some financial challenges for you. Like maybe you're still making it, but things are a little bit tougher. How many of you would say things are a little bit harder because of the economy right now? I think a lot of us are facing this, and I am reminded of this just about every week when I do some grocery shopping. And I pay for my groceries, and it's like, I got less groceries than I did just a couple months ago, and it's even more money. So here's like a visual for just the increase in prices in groceries from 2021 to 2022. Now I know we're living in 2023, but I don't think the prices have gone down. If anything, they've gone up. How many of you remember when eggs were really expensive for a while? That just about broke me. Like, I love eggs. I was eating almost half a dozen eggs every morning. So the price of eggs almost made us broke. And then we got chickens, and after we got chickens, then the price of eggs went back down. That is just how it goes. And so I think I'm not the only one who's feeling this. I bring this up because I think everybody here in this room is feeling this. And maybe you're looking to buy a new car. If you're looking to get a new car, I am so sorry. I will pray for you. The price of new vehicles is like through the roof here just from 2020 to close to where we are now? Yeah. Uh, So maybe you're thinking, all right, new vehicles, maybe not the way to go. Maybe I'll have better luck if I have to replace a vehicle to go with used. Well, even used vehicles, the prices has gone up so much. If you're looking to sell your vehicle, awesome. If you're looking to buy, you might be in a tough boat. And I realized this firsthand pretty recently, Uh, maybe it was eight months ago, my wife and I have a Kia Soul, and this car has some problems, where the engine was burning oil, and so we're like, either we get this engine uh, replaced, or we have to replace our car. And so we spent a couple of weekends doing some car shopping, looking at used vehicles, and what I realized is I could spend a lot of money to get a car that's even worse than what I already have. And so I was like, all right, it's in God's hands. We'll just hold out with this Kia Soul. And if we have to repair it down the road, all right, we'll do it. So our car is literally living on a prayer right now. (laughs) I, I was feeling inspired by this movie called Jesus Revolution. Have you ever seen that movie? All right, there's this scene in the movie where this guy is gifted a car that is barely functional, like would not pass inspection today. And so his group of friends all circle around this car, lay hands on the car, and pray for the car just to get it started. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing that our God can't do, and so I'm going to pray that God heals my car. (laughs) And God is so good. I believe that God healed my car because the engine has not been an issue. We're still driving this thing, and it's not even burning oil. So... God still does miracles today. that's that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but all of that to say, right, things are pretty tough these days, financially with the where the economy is. And I don't think that it'd be too far off to say that a lot of us are kind of living in survival mode. Like we're looking at how things are now, where the economy's headed, and maybe, You're trying to pick up some extra hours at work or make sure that you're banking some cash to make sure that you're okay for the future. Could be you took a vow to never become one of those couponers, but here you are cutting out coupons or shopping for deals, becoming that person. Because things are a little bit tight. And not only do you have the responsibility of taking care of yourself, maybe taking care of your family, but if you are a Christian, and God has a calling on your life. God has a calling on your life to be a part of His work to make disciples of Jesus among all of the nations. And this is what Jesus said before He went back into heaven. He gave this, this calling to His disciples, and I believe to every Christian. Jesus came and told His disciples, and He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so if you are a Christian, this is the calling that God has on your life, to make disciples, not just in your area, not just for you to experience the, the hope and the transformation of Jesus and to keep it to yourself, but to go out and share that good news with everybody so that nations, people of every different culture can come to know Jesus as their Savior. Now, here's the saying with making disciples of Jesus here and around the world. It's not easy, and it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of time, energy, energy, and money, resources. And we could spend an entire message on each one of these things and what it costs to reach around the world with the message of Jesus. But I want to focus this morning on this last one, money and resources. And I wanted to start out this morning talking about how things are in our economy right now because I recognize the things are probably really tight. And maybe you're thinking, how can I give resources. How can I give my money to God if I feel like I don't even have anything to give, or I'm just trying to make it by for myself and for my family? And and I think the truth is that giving to God is not just about um, God needing something from us. God doesn't need our time, or else nobody's going to come to faith in Jesus. God doesn't need our energy. God doesn't need our money, as if if we don't do our part, then nothing's going to get done. But God has big plans. God has plans to reach people with the message of Jesus, and he doesn't want us just sitting on the sidelines. God wants us to be a part of what he is doing, and he can use our time, energy, and resources to be a part of that. And so when it comes to giving to God in this mission that we have, it's not about just giving God a certain amount of money. It's not the dollar amount that is significant to God. But what is significant to God is generosity. Because giving is an action. You can, be, you can give and not be generous. Because generosity is an attitude. And so the question that I want us to start with this morning to kind of wrestle with is, what is holding me back from being generous, from being a generous person? And if I had to take a guess, a lot of us are probably thinking, well, if I just had more money, then I would be more generous. If, if the economy wasn't as bad as it is, then I would be more generous. Sometimes we have this fill-in-the-blank equation of, I will be more generous When blank happens, when I get that pay raise, or when my kids move out of the house, or uh, when I start making X amount of dollars, then I will be generous. But the truth is that this isn't what holds us back from being generous, making more money. Statistically, in America, people give away 2.8% of their income every year. Except for people who make more than $100,000 a year, they give away 2.6% of their income. So the more money they make, the less that they give away. And so it doesn't take having a lot of money to be generous. Because remember, generosity is not just the action of giving, but it's that attitude. And it doesn't matter so much about the dollar amount. And if you can't be generous with the little bit that you have, then you're probably not going to be generous if you have a lot of money because this is an attitude of the heart. And so what we're going to look at this morning from God's Word is an incredible example of generosity. You ever notice that sometimes the most generous people are the people who are not rich by American standards? It seems like they don't have as much, but what they have... They're so free to give out to other people. Well, I think this was the case even in biblical days. A church or a group of churches that really did not have a lot are some of the best examples of generosity that we have. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll also have it up here on the screen. And this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was a missionary who lived after the time of Jesus, and he started a bunch of churches, and he was still involved with those churches that he started and making sure that they were supported, that they were um, following God's instructions for how they do ministry. And Paul is writing to a group of churches in Corinth, but he's writing to them about a group of churches in a place called Macedonia. And so we're going to read about the generosity of these churches in Macedonia. So Second Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. This is what he says. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They did even more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So here's what we know about this church in Macedonia. These people are poor and they're going through some troubling times and I think that the way that they lived in that time period and in that culture is way different than how we live here in America like if you are poor by American standards you would have been so rich compared to the people living in Macedonia at this time like when it says that these people are poor it probably means that they are getting their food on a day-to-day basis This church is also going through persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And so if there is any church or if there is any Christian who has an excuse to not be generous because they don't have a lot to give or because they're going through hard times, it's these churches. If anybody has an excuse, it's them. But even despite their circumstances, (laughs) despite the fact that they did not have a big surplus to give from, it says that they gave above and beyond what they could even afford to give. They were so generous, and they counted it a privilege to be a part of God's work in supporting these other churches and for the message of Jesus to be spread around the world. And so we have this example from this church here, and I really think that generosity is contagious. So Paul is talking about the churches in Macedonia to encourage the churches in Corinth to be more generous and to inspire them. But when Paul was in Macedonia, he was telling those churches about the generosity of the churches in Corinth and inspiring them to become more generous. I really think the generosity is contagious, and more than anything that has encouraged me to be a generous person and has inspired me is not just knowing that I should be generous from the Bible, But what has been so encouraging to me is seeing the generosity of other people. So many of you here this morning, I've seen your generosity firsthand, and that has made such a big impact in my life and been such an encouragement to me. And not only do we have the example of other people for us to be generous, but we also have the greatest example of generosity of all time, and that is the example of Jesus. If we skip down to verse 9, It says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus was rich, became poor, so that we could become rich. Jesus left his rightful place in heaven to come to an earth that is broken and corrupted because of sin, Jesus, who is the king of kings, gave up his rightful place on the throne of heaven to come to earth as a servant and to literally wash people's feet. Jesus possesses all of the attributes of God, and yet he came to earth as a baby, born in a stable, surrounded by animals. Jesus knows what it's like to go through physical pain. I mean, Jesus experienced the most extreme form of persecution or of, I'm sorry, execution at that time and dying a death on a cross. Jesus knows what it's like to go through emotional pain. Jesus wept. Jesus had friends who passed away and he grieved for that loss. Jesus, who was rich, became poor for our sakes. And I don't want to say this lightly, but Jesus literally went through hell, experienced hell so that we could experience heaven by believing in him. And that is the most incredible example of generosity that we could ever have. And that's why here at Bridgewater, it's one of our core values that we give because he gave. Because of the incredible example of what Jesus has done for us, we can't just hold on to our things, but to give back to God. And this is the calling that we have on our lives because of the example of Jesus and because of the instructions that we have in God's Word. And we're going to keep digging into the instructions that God has for us in His Word by skipping to chapter 9, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in verse 6. Paul says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So, Because of the example that we have in Jesus, because of the instructions that we have in God's word, if you are a Christian, you have this calling on your life your calling is to give generously. This is what we do as Christians. Uh, My wife and I decided we wanted to plant a garden this summer, and so John Proctor helped me out. He gave me some old deck boards and helped me build some raised garden beds that were only like this wide and maybe eight feet long. And so after we built these garden beds and filled them with dirt, I left the planting up to Gabby, and she planted all kinds of things. I mean, we had peppers put in there. We had herbs and uh, beans. We might have even had tomatoes in there. But when it came to planting the squash, my 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 wife held nothing back. There were at least two full seed packets of squash that were planted in these little garden beds. And so at the end of the summer, we had an incredible harvest of squash. We didn't get much else, but we had a lot, a lot of squash. And so we were reminded of a very simple equation, and that is lots of seeds equals a big harvest. And the flip side of that is true, right? If you don't plant a lot of seeds, you're not going to see a big harvest. And so Paul is using this farming illustration here to talk about money. Comparing seeds to money in the harvest to what God does through that money. And the truth is that if we are generous with our money, then we are going to see a harvest. We are going to see that money being used to bless other people, and God used that to bless our own lives. And the flip side of that is also true. If we are tight-gripped with our money, if we don't give back to God or share with other people, then we're not going to experience the blessing of giving. We're not going to see what it can do in the lives of other people or how it can affect the spreading of the gospel of Jesus. And as we talk about this this morning, and if I was to ask you, all right, what does God want for our lives? Does God want us to be generous or to be stingy? It's like, all right, that's a no-brainer. Like, you know the answer to that before you came to church. Of course, God wants us to be generous, but I, so, my hope this morning is not just to like pound into our heads. We need to give our money to God because you might walk away from this message thinking, man, I wish I didn't come to church this morning. Fine, throw a few bucks in the offering plate, call that good, and like, at least I'm obedient to God. That is not the point. I think what is so much harder than just knowing should we be generous or should we be stingy, what is so much harder is to give our money to God with a cheerful heart because that is what God wants. Remember, you can give and not be generous. Giving is an action. Generosity is an attitude. And God doesn't want us just throwing money as if he needs our money. What God cares about is our heart. And so my my hope for this morning is that you wouldn't just feel pressured into giving money to church but that we would all be generous people, that we would have this attitude of generosity. And I want to go back and read verse 7 because I think this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets tough. He says, You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is what it's all about, having this attitude of generosity. And I think that according to human math, worldly math, if we give our money to God or to other people, then we have less money, and less money equals more needs. That's human math. Now, I think that God has a different kind of math, and God's math is we give our money to God, we bless other people, and then that equals God showing up to provide for our needs. When we give our money to God, God isn't just leaving us high and dry. He's not like, all right, now you have more problems. But he blesses us and he supplies us through our generosity. And that's what we're going to keep reading about in verse 8. It says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And Okay, the last verse here is, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So because of what God does for us um, we can give to him and know that we're not just going to be left high and dry when we give to God and live open-handed God multiplies ab- abundantly like God blesses other people through our giving and he also blesses us and takes care of all of our needs now let's just say you all had a mission to feed a village of people you're like a seed supplier all right like You're going to supply farmers with seeds to plant, to produce crops, to feed this whole village of people. And there's two farmers that you could give your seeds to. One farmer will plant a few of the seeds that you give him and then store the rest of them away in a big silo just to be responsible in case something comes up in the future. Or the other farmer will plant the seeds that you give him and live open-handed with those seeds and see a bigger harvest for more food to be distributed to the people. All right, which farmer would you give your seeds to? The one who just stores it away for himself or the one who actually plants it and sees a harvest? I think a lot of us would give our seeds to the the second farmer. Now think about it in terms of, of God's perspective. If God is going to bless us with resources, which he does. Everything that we have is from God. And I don't want to downplay the fact that you probably work really hard for your money and you have an income. But even with that being true, you have that job because God gave you that job. You have the health to work that job because God gave you that health. And so God supplies everything that you have. And is God more likely to supply the person who just holds on to what they have for themselves Thinking that that's the responsible thing to do? Or is God more likely to supply and bless the person who lives open handed and gives what they have, not not just being careless with their money, but giving towards that mission of seeing more people come to know Jesus and experience the life change that He offers? I really believe that when we live open-handed, when we give what God has given us to bless others and to be a part of the work of sharing the gospel, that God supplies our needs. And this isn't the prosperity gospel. This isn't about give X amount of dollars to God and then he's just going to make you wealthy and healthy. But it's about living generously and God supplies you so that you can continue to live generously and to be a part of his work to see more people come to know him. And so this is kind of the cycle that we see. We had the farming uh, vocabulary of, like, you plant, and then when you plant something and you see the harvest, that harvest actually gives you more seeds to then plant in the next go-around. And this is kind of true in in the cycle of giving, that God supplies us with everything that we have. Everything that we have is from God, and when we give that back to God, when we give to others... God blesses other people through our giving. He even does a work in our own hearts to bless us. And as we're giving away, God supplies us with more, not for us to spend on ourselves, but to continue to give away. And it is so fun to do life like this and to live open-handed. How many of you like spending other people's money? You can be honest here. Some of you aren't honest. I think it's so fun to spend other people's money. You get the fun of shopping, but you don't have to sweat it, right? Because it's not even yours to begin with. Now, here's kind of a perspective shift for us. All the money that we have is not our money. It's God's money. And when we live generously, in a sense, it's like spending somebody else's money. And we can have all that joy of blessing other people and being blessed through it. And also, we don't really have to sweat it because God is going to supply all of our needs. Uh, there was this time um, less than a year ago when my wife and I were in a, a position where we were pretty financially tight. And so I just committed to praying about it and leaving it in God's hands. And God just went above and beyond in answering these prayers. It was like to the point where I'm like, all right, God, stop. I'm feeling guilty about like all of his answers to these prayers. And one of the ways that God answered this prayer is he laid it on somebody's heart to give us some money. And this person left his house in the morning with the money that he felt God was calling to give us. And he went out for breakfast at TNC Grill. And while he was at breakfast at TNC Grill, I had a meeting at the Unwind Cafe. And as he was about to leave TNC Grill, he just felt that God was telling him to go to the Unwind Cafe, because he would find me there. This is the crazy part of the story. I didn't tell him I was at the Unwind Cafe. Nobody else told him that, but that was his first stop. He just shows up, walks through these doors, and gives me this wad of cash. I was like, what? Just totally caught me off guard. I had to like, call him later and thank him, because in the moment I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't know how to respond to that kind of generosity. And through his giving, he blessed my life. And as God was answering my prayers to provide for my family, I was looking at this money that I was just given, and I was thinking, you know what? God has blessed me. How can I be generous to somebody else? And so I, I asked that question, and I was looking around, and I found somebody else who needed that money more than I did, and I gave that money to them. And so God blessed the generosity of that first person, it blessed my life, and then it blessed the life of somebody else. And it was just fun. It felt like I was given free money, and then I could use that free money to bless somebody else's life. It's using God's money. And it's easy to see it that way when it's like a gift from God out of nowhere, but the truth is that all of the money that I have is God's money. And it's a, a question of am I going to be generous with what God has given me and am I going to trust him to provide? Now what would it look like if all of us here in this room just trusted God to provide? What, it, what would it look like for all of us to be generous with the money that God has given us? And, and I don't know what that generosity looks like for you um, my whole intention of this message is not to pressure you to give money to church. And maybe God has laid it on your heart to give towards a different charity or some other ministry or maybe you know somebody in need and God has placed that burden on your heart to be generous with what you have and to meet that need. Or maybe maybe you've been blessed through the ministry of Bridgewater Church and you're excited about what we are doing to take the message of Jesus to the city of Tunkhannock, and around the world. Maybe you want to partner with us and to be a part of that. Our vision for 2023 is to raise $500,000 for these following ministries. A lot of you might not be as familiar with what Hope for Cora is. This is a ministry that takes place in Ethiopia. We're partnered with some missionaries there who are working with people who are like the poorest of the poor. These people in Ethiopia spend their days picking through trash heaps just to make it through the day. And so this ministry is about helping these people get a leg up and also to experience the life-changing power of Jesus. And uh, also for community gatherings. Uh, There's a community gathering in Hancock, New York, where a bunch of people are meeting in a movie theater and they get to stream the messages from the Montrose campus. And I think that is meeting an incredible need in that area. Now people have a community of believers to be a part of, and they together can reach people with the message of Jesus in the Hancock area. And multiplying ministry leaders, office renovations, which I can tell you are very much needed, and our very own Tunkhannock campus. So again, the point of this message is not to pressure you to give to the church. Um, But I do want to encourage you that if you do want to partner with us and if you think that what we are doing is effective for reaching people for Jesus, I just want to encourage you to take some time to consider and pray about giving towards our vision for 2023. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a generous God, that you paid the ultimate price in sending your son to give up his rightful place in heaven. To die the death of a criminal on a cross, even though he had done nothing wrong. God, there's nothing that we could ever do to repay you for that. Uh, But I just ask that you would give us hearts that don't want to just hold on to what we have with a tight grip. But I ask that we would be people who live open handedly. Uh, Everything that we have, ultimately, it's from you. And I just ask that we would experience that joy and that privilege of being a part of what you are doing in this world and, and sending the message of Jesus to all the nations. God, we want more people to know the hope that they can have in Jesus. At the end of the day, this is this is a work that is eternal. The, its impact lasts forever. And I wanna be a part of that work. And God, I just ask that you would lay it on all of our hearts, that desire to be a part of that so that as we give it, that it wouldn't be out of pressure, that we wouldn't do it reluctantly, but that we would give cheerfully because you are so worthy of anything we could ever give you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.